Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Kevin Mosenzade. Well, hello, family. We're all back together finally. Yay. So, Kevin, you've been, like, uh, missing. Where have you been? <laughs> School. School. That's silly. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. That's so, so how's the semester going? Four it's, weeks in, right? Yeah, four weeks in. Uh feel like I've gotten run over by a bus, but Yeah, well, you don't look right. like you've been run over well, by a bus. I appreciate it. Yeah, a so trans, just a little bus. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just staying on my feet, getting through it. Okay, but yeah, it's a lot of work. Not an easy senior year. Like Not an easy. Yeah. Your what's your major again? Law and public policy. There we go. So, so a lot of reading. A lot of reading. A lot of reading. Yeah, make you smart. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back in the studio. Thank you. Yeah, we've missed you, Kevin. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah, they're always <laughs> like Kevin coming in. Where's Kevin? I'm back. And Kevin Yay. is back. I'm here. <laughs> and then we have Melanie. Melanie's kind of struggling right now. My voice Voices in and out, so I'm kind of like Froggy at some points. And or Marge Simpson. Marge, uh, Mar- oh. there we go. Yeah, yeah I like that better. Yeah. I was, Marge. I, you know, I was going back to the 30s, but in, I'll yeah. take Marge over Froggy any day. <laughs> I, I got your first Simpson. reference. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we go back to the 1930s. What was oh the 30s with all the beep? Uh, Froggy the was from oh, Little, little Rascals, Rascals, our gang. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was talking like you know the little fuzzy-haired girls that would talk with the high-pitched voices. Oh and yeah, no. All that. No, yeah. I guess we're not. Yeah, I guess we're not. Oh, yeah, what's her name? Beepy Bop or Bop? Betty Boop. Betty Boop. Thank oh, you. Oh, Betty Boop. Betty yeah. Boop. Betty, so. She is. She is awesome. She's my favorite. Yeah. We and uh, and she's really she's based on an amazing character too. But I won't we'll, go into that right we'll now. We'll have another show on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so other than that, lots of tea, and we're glad you're here. Yeah, I put the tea in tea. You put the tea in tea. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely put the tea in tea. Uh, that's good. We have to. We need a T-shirt. I, you know, I'll get online right now and do that. There we go. (laughs) Copyright. Cafe Press. And then we have Justin. How are we doing, Justin? I'm doing well, Frankie. You are? Yeah. We like your hat. Justin's wearing a cool hat, and he has a sweater. It's only 1,000 degrees outside. I know, but it's not 1,000 degrees in here. It's it is like thirty. It's like thirty. <laughs> it's there is a very directed air conditioning port right under yeah, his chair. That's right. Well, that's probably not helping your throat at all. <laughs> it's fine. You need a hat, Melanie. I need and a, a sweater. Hat and a sweater. And, and a fur coat. And a fur coat. I have four of those. Do you really? I'm working on a a, a Krampus costume. So there you oh. go. Yep. And years ago, do you do that? What you you participate in that? I I'm trying to get into the one in Indianapolis, but with illness and stuff, it's kind of put me back. Uh, but yeah, my daughter actually really, 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 really wants to be a Krampus, but she's she's like a mini Krampus. <laughs> yeah, you would make a good Krampus. I, well, yeah, I, Krampus or Krampus? Krampus. Well, I I do the rolling the R, there we but go. yeah, Krampus. There we go. She's fancy, baby. Fancy. But I, I love those costumes. I think they're amazing. They're so cool. I love I love everything about that. 
but it's mostly it's just a continuation of Halloween for me. Yeah, you, <laughs> so. you, you, yeah, you like your <laughs> Which Halloween. Which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. You like your Halloween. And I'm doing well. I'm. Uh, Nobody I'm asked you. I was I'm over here. You. Help me. Gosh, that's you have about, something to share, obviously. I was going to tell you about all my pain and agony. Let's, no, let's hear it. Gosh. No, I hurt myself, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'll be fine. How did you hurt? Oh, how did you hurt yourself? I hurt myself. I woke up. I'm old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you woke up. I'll <laughs> do it. No, I you were too old I for pulled that. My, um, I pulled a nerve thing in my, my oh. thingamajig, and, and I'm on medication, so the show's going to be is that how fun. The, is that what the doctor told you? You pulled your nerve thing, your thingamajig. <laughs> so take, take these pills. That's right. Yes. Like, Don't question the doctor. so disappointed. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was just like throwing them out, and I was like a seal from a circus catching all the pills. I was like, this is kind of fun. Oh. But I, I'm not a pill kind of guy, yeah. so they hit me kind of silly. <laughs> well, so I'm silly today. I was wondering, you were po- you posted a picture on, on your Facebook. Um, of what? Of, of <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> of a chair being carried in, not by you. Oh, definitely and, not by uh, and I don't was, have to be sick for that. There was right? a kind of a look on, on <laughs> Kelly's face, and I was wondering if that was like, right. you know, you're not carrying this. Do, do you know Kelly? What do, do I know? Yeah, do you yeah. know Kelly? Kelly always has that. I look. know, I know. <laughs> that's his happy look. That's his sad look. That's his disappointment look. I wasn't going to say that. Look. I was just going to like say that he was. <laughs> that's the look. <laughs> and now you're going to get that when you get home. I will get that yeah. look. Oh, <laughs> I will get that look. So, and then tonight in the studio, we have Jada B as our guest. Jada wears many hats in our community. One of her many important hats that she is a core council member of Black Life Matters. At the bottom of the hour, we'll be speaking with her more about her community activism. Welcome to Blooming Out. Hey, what's up? It's great to have you, Jada. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. And so um, we tell all of our guests that, you know, during our uh, news briefing or roundtable discussion, We always welcome our guests to participate. Cool, so I cool. wanted our listening audience to hear who you were, so they didn't think yeah. that you know. Yeah, that was some stranger in the stranger in the room. room. <laughs> some creepy uh, Frankie's voice. alter ego <laughs> coming out. Right. Yeah. Well, I've been known to be a stranger in a room <laughs> and a creepy voice. <laughs> well, you're in the I right that, studio for that's that. That's what Grant was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's replace. We can give him all kinds Grant. of shit. Yes, yeah, he's yeah. not here anymore. We can talk well, about he's in that. North Carolina, South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. So he's not being no, he's in LA. <laughs> not anymore. He's he, he claims that he lives in LA now. I don't believe that. Yeah. Oh. He lives in South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He sent place. me pictures of sunglasses the other day, and I said, I said, you're kidding, right? And he said, no, people in LA wear them. And I said, okay, what do people in South Carolina wear? Because that's where you live. They were on top of a barrel, and <laughs> like, <laughs> they were horrible. I was like, people in LA need to step it up. Then I guess I don't know. That's oh. too funny. So, Justin, what do we got in the news today for this? Uh, I guess for this week in the LGBTQ world. Well, we have a lot in the news um, from NPR. Uh, they did a piece on childhood trauma and its lifelong health effects are more prevalent among minorities, including the LGBTQ community. In the late 1990s, researchers discovered a link between childhood adversity and chronic health problems later in life and took note of how common those experiences were across socioeconomic groups. New studies on adverse childhood experiences 
also known as ACEs, confirms that these experiences are universal but have disparities among socioeconomic groups. These groups include members of the LGBTQ plus community, low-income and educational groups, and people of color. The study finds that three out of five adults in the United States had at least one adverse childhood experience, while one-fourth of adults have had at least three adverse childhood experiences. <coughs> NPR reports that other research has indicated that three or more adverse childhood experiences increases the risk for cro common chronic diseases, heart disease, cancer, depression, and substance abuse. Melissa T. Merrick, a researcher from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, analyzed data from 214,000 adults in 23 states between 2011 and 2014. Nearly 62% of respondents had at least one adverse childhood experience, including 16% with four or more. Multiracial participants reported around 2.5 adverse childhood experiences, and bisexual adults reported 3.1 experiences, which were the highest reported. Adam Schinkendance, an assistant professor of pediatrics at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, cautioned that these experiences were common, including amongst white people and middle-class families. He goes on to say, quote, this study shows that ACEs affect people from all walks of life everywhere, unquote. <laughs> Scientists have just begun to understand the sociological, the sociological and biological mechanisms that might explain how stressful experiences in childhood could translate to greater risks for heart disease or diabetes. The body responds to stress by producing hormones with cortisol and adrenaline while increasing blood pressure and blood sugar. However, chronic stress means chronically high levels of these hormones will be produced, which will have a negative effect on your health in the long run. This study suggests that there is a need to target prevention resources. This will require identifying what makes some people more susceptible than others. Jack Shonkoff, a professor of child health and development at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, said, quote, Nobody is immune to adverse experiences in childhood, but for some population groups, there's a larger burden of childhood adversity than in others, unquote. Andrew Garner, a clinical professor of pediatrics at Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine in Cleveland, argues that it is essential to develop healthy coping mechanisms and to strengthen families and communities. Well. This is going to totally uh, walk into our topic today of uh, yeah. kind of diversity and what effect it can have um, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And this is something that, you know, I think uh, hopefully we're, we're going to be talking a lot more about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, what struck me was the, the quote from the person who uh, was speaking specifically about um, all, all of these adverse um, uh, experiences affect they affect everybody including whites and stuff like that and it was just uh, to me it was just like one of those signals of of the of like all lives matter blah, 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 blah. so why why does it matter that we're looking at how this affects people in minority groups versus everybody and of course everybody is going to have some level of 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 
issues in their lives. But when you add uh, these different levels of of oppression on top of having, you know, and of course we're not saying what these adverse right. <laughs> things are, well, that's, yeah. <laughs> which I, which I think is really interesting that we're right. not like you know that this isn't being necessarily uh, in this particular uh, uh, is not being spelled out. Um, but you know when you start adding that on, of course people who are already marginalized are going to have even more uh, uh, reactions to it, and it's going to come up more frequently for you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and to to find out that it's having um, health. Uh, adverse health effects. Well, people in the black community have known for a long time. We have heart disease, mm-hmm. we have diabetes very strong, mm-hmm. we have um, you know hypertension, all of these things like there that is uh, so commonly tied to stress, but we don't talk about what our stressors really are. Um, and a lot of our stressors are these bigger un, un like we can't control things of racism, sexism, misogyny, right. and homophobia, and transphobia, right. and mm-hmm. all of these things that we that we personally don't have control. I can go work out every single day of my life, but I'm still black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still gay. <laughs> I'm still a lesbian, you know? So I can, I can, I can take all the pills that I want, but that's, but, <laughs> well, <laughs> that are prescribed, I should say. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting that they said that um, bisexuals, Right. We're part yeah. of the highest group. So, what, I, what, what's I, your what hypothesis are about that? that? Well, I, I'm thinking perhaps it's because bisexuality is one of those things that we, we've talked about here before right, that right. I think people don't believe in in this strange way, right. and they don't believe people are bisexual. That's something you well, know. Well, they had they talked about they you know accept. people that are bisexual having more difficulty coming out right. and being accepted right. by both communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting dual oppression, right. basically. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I wonder if it's a kind of a generational thing because I know a lot of kids now. Um, kids these days. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Thank God are, for them will, in so will many will come ways, out right? as yeah. you know bisexual and be right. very proud and out about right. it. So, um, you know, as I was reading that, I was like, you know, I, I I get that, but I wonder how current that is. But again, we had our guest on. Um, I forget her name. Yes. Lizzie. Lizzie, yeah. and mm-hmm. and she targeted this part. Mm. So well, obviously, it's still. Happening. And they're a large number too, because it, you know this number's two hundred fourteen thousand uh, people responded, right? Right. And so you're going to catch. That's not a huge uh, uh, number to draw from. Right. Um, and you're you're not adjusting for all of right. these things. So bise- bisexuals are a large group of people, right? right. And so they are going to have uh, a yeah. larger number skewed toward their population. Mm-hmm. Now, point. it might that's not a good be statistical point there. exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you start enumerating all the all the problems that contribute and all the different uh, uh, people and groups that are uh, have these issues, then you have to ask the question why, and then you have to ask the question why aren't we doing yeah. anything about it? And that is yeah. uh, hopefully where this leads. I'm not sure it will, but yeah, uh, that's the skeptical part of me. But <laughs> well, because but I feel there. like there's a, so much ambiguity in 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 the t- in the study itself that like are we talking about sexual trauma are we talking about Mm -hmm. racist trauma are we talking about uh alcoholic trauma like what what are what are the traumas that we're speaking of um and and how can we get more specific into what that is because that 
I think would speak to what you're talking about, which is getting into how do we solve this? How do we get right. rid of, you know, if we, you know, once we get into, if we dive in further, if we're just saying uh, these people between this age and this age, in this group and this group are having issues. Right. <laughs> right. right. I, I'm like, oh, okay, it sounds like they would be having issues. Now, what kind of issues are they having? Yeah. Right. And, and then there were the studies that were coming out er, uh, earlier when, when people were starting to really get into epigenetics about mm. um, how the Great Depression is affecting people today and uh, with mm. weight and diabetes and other health issues mm. because of the stressors that our grandparents and sometimes great-grandparents have gone through and what that has done to our bodies. Oh, really? And I've how, never heard of this. Intergenerational. Um, oh, yeah. 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 So It makes uh, sense yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. And so that the, the um, passing on of genes uh, outside of the, the nucleus, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the uh, bits that we get from our mothers, actually it's a, a great large amount, mm. uh, um, that tell the body how to respond so mm -hmm. uh if you have grandmother went through uh a, you know the depression and and food scarcity and um and a lot of stress mm -hmm. the children are her children and grandchildren are going to uh reap the benefits of uh of her stress by storing more food because they might go through that stress and all of that so Anyway. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, you just wow. put some science up no, there. No, I know. Exactly. And I, and my brain just like. <laughs> my head wow. is spinning. <laughs> right round, baby, right round. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So in uh, other news, um, Stephen Petro, a reporter for the Washington Post, wrote about the longstanding rift between the black and white LGBT communities that came into sharp focus at Toronto's Pride Parade earlier this summer. We are calling you out, shouted Alexandria Williams, co-founder of Toronto's Black Lives Matter chapter. With those words, the group's float abruptly stopped during the parade, halting the parade for 30 minutes. Williams accused white organizers of seething with, quote, a historical and current culture of anti-blackness, unquote, in the Gay Star News. The backlash was immediate and harsh, with Black Lives Matter uh, with the Black Lives Matter group accused of bullying, extortion, and being anti-white. <laughs> Soon after, chapter co-founder Janaya Khan, who identifies as black and queer, wrote in Now Toronto, quote, Since the action, I have received hate mail and death threats, primarily from gay-identifying men. I have been screamed at on the street. I have been called the N-word more times than I care to count. People have told me I'm no longer part of the queer community because my blackness has no place there, unquote. Both north and south of the border, criticism, rightful in my view, is being leveled at the white LGBTQ community for not speaking up forcefully enough about the killings of black men by police in Baton Rouge and Minneapolis. In effect, too much all lives matter and not enough black lives matter. Quote, I definitely think that there are a lot of white queer trans folk who just don't get it. Unquote. India, India Pierce, 27, who is a black and queer, who is black and queer, told me after the shootings of Alton Sterling and Philando uh, Castile last week. What does Pierce mean by it? To be black, to identify as LGBTQ and black, <coughs> as much as members of the white LGBT community understand bias and hate, all shades are not the same. Quote, people think that because they identify with one marginalized group, LGBTQ, that they know and can identify with other marginalized groups, unquote, said Denzel Fison, a 24-year-old gay African-American law student. He continued, 
but the marginali- marginalization is different, and they have trouble seeing that it's different because gay white people are mo- more closely aligned with straight white people than with the black LGBT community. Embarrassingly, I can draw on personal experience. Fifteen years ago, I was living in Berkeley, California, and dating a black man who lived in San Francisco. Like many couple couples separated by the Bay Bridge, we constantly argued over whose turn it was to make the trek. Alonzo was unwavering that I be the one to drive. Quote, the chances of me being pulled over for a trumped-up traffic charge and that turning into a nightmare is real, he would say. It wasn't until several, several years later that I understood how right Alonzo had been. Verified again just this week when the New York Times reported that San Francisco police disproportionately search African Americans. I didn't get it because Alonzo's fears, Alonzo's fear was so far afield of my own experiences and understanding of race in America. Meanwhile, on Facebook, the Pink Pistols, a pro-gun LGBTQ organization, has seen its own surging number come to verbal fisticuffs over a race over race and gun violence. A few days ago, a member shared a link to a Washington Post investigation about the number of people number of people shootings in the United States claiming quote it isn't a race issue because nearly twice as many white guys shot, <laughs> white guys are shot by police as black <coughs> unquote. In fact, the data showed that although blacks made up 13% of the population, they are two and a half times more likely to be shot and killed by police officers. After seeing that explanation, the original poster simply discounted the entire investigation. But here's another option. How about listening to either reason or math? Rather than strengthening what could be a united LGBTQ front, or at least an alliance of black, white, and other LGBTQ communities, these uh, fractions, these fractious times, are clearly tearing us further apart. Linda Villarosa, an African-American, a lesbian, and a journalist, sees things two ways. Quote, the big picture in the LGBT community is that we as a group understand oppression better than overall American society. The oppressor is often the same oppressor. But, she adds, clearly parts of the community are racist and racist things happen in the LGBTQ community. Where do we go from here? Villarosa quickly suggested that we need to look beyond each each incident and beyond the silos of our communities. So many of our conversations are scorched earth, she told me, with, with a heaviness in her voice. We don't hear each other. I have to force myself to say, now is the time to listen. I will admit that it is exceedingly difficult to hear anything over the roar of the racial thunder right now, but that's no excuse, nor is violence. Michael Harrison, <laughs> a financial consultant who identifies as gay and black, put it well. Quote, there's a climate in this country that rewards people for demoning those who don't look like them, think like them, or love like them. We must do better, and we have to do better. Unquote. Harrison was talking not only about white people in general, but also about white LGBTQ men and women in particular. The question I'm left with is this. Why doesn't our unique LGBTQ experience of discrimination help us to have a greater empathy for our queer brothers and sisters? Why indeed? That's... Yeah. Can, I, can <laughs> yeah. I offer an explanation as a as a white person, um, uh, who I grew up by Gary, Indiana, and and you know I had family in Northwest Indiana and South Chicago, and and it's kind of a huge melting pot there. And I'm apologizing again for my voice. Um, and <coughs> I've heard and seen a lot of discrimination from uh, you know people I love doing 
really bad things and and then coming out in that family and um and then hearing things uh myself but but looking at it we grow up in you know in our our uh racial group with you know the pre- uh, the the um racism first that is our primary that's the thing that we're steeped in and lgbt comes next so it kind of seems to follow that you know we carry those those prejudices with us mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. through life because they're they're more primary than and and precede our rationalization of you know who we are and, and <coughs> how we move through the world and how we are uh you know oppressed ourselves and we don't see that we are actually doing the oppression you know from well before well i mean look i mean we live in a racist society Mm-hmm. Okay, our 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 country and our world is uh, founded upon um, racism. This country was founded upon slavery mm-hmm. and racism, right. and so even if we separate out our sexualities and our and our mm-hmm. and our gender um, from that, we we you like you're saying first and foremost we're living in this this racist society, and then we're adding on another level of diversity on top of that. And I, I, you know, the more, the more levels of diversity we add on top of things, the farther I think sometimes we are from, from understanding. Um, Mm. And um, I, and it's because we're very concerned about carving out the peace for ourselves. I think humans are very selfish, (laughs) right? And I think that we are, we are, we want um, our, our, little piece of the world mm-hmm. and and we want people to respect and and care about us but we have often have times translating that into care for other people um white cisgender queers have been um horrible to me in my life and they've been mm-hmm. amazing to me in my life mm-hmm. so uh, you know sure uh, and we we can get into the well not all but but the problem is is that we live in a racist society mm-hmm. and we we're talking about um um, the article there was talking about cops and um, um, whether or not uh, a black queer person has a problem with cops versus a white queer person. The problem is with cops. It's it's not whether it's not really, and I will have to agree, it's not necessarily really about whether I'm black and queer, white and queer. It's that the cops themselves are looking for. Um, the people who are marginalized in order mm. to go after them. Mm-hmm. Um, the the uh, police system is broken. But mm. where doesn't that start from somewhere other than just the... the, the it comes from the main society, right? right? And, right. So, and yeah. giving permission or yeah. not holding people accountable yeah. for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, where do, where do we begin yeah. and how do we fix that? And I think... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things just happening locally, um, and this is something that I'm kind of been back and forth and people kind of, you know, walk around with a big question mark on my head on that one was with uh, Pride. Mm -hmm. Um, The police were disinvited to participate. And um, I I felt that, and this is a personal view, this Mm -hmm. is not, I'm not speaking for anybody else but myself, that we had an opportunity to build a bridge mm-hmm. and we can still build bridges mm-hmm. um, 
but I think that people have to be willing to leave their hats when and maybe that's a little um, simplified, mm -hmm. but leaving emotions and starting with a conversation mm -hmm. to listen. And, you know, I think Bloomington is unique in some ways and not so unique in other mm -hmm. ways um, that we have a, what, 12 percent uh, gay police force where. Um, sure. I, I don't know that statistic. I've, I've, yeah, I, I've that been told that before. OK. And I, I think that we could make changes within our own community. And I guess it was disappointed and, and no one on the other side. I, I talked to the police about this, but I haven't been able to really talk to anybody on the other side mm -hmm. to really explain what that issue is. And my whole big thing was, OK, we get it. This is what's <coughs> happening out in the world and it's ugly and mm -hmm. it's not nice. But how do we bring the, how do we how do we come together in a community that I think that desperately wants to listen, yeah. that des desperately wants to kind of be the the, the leader? You yeah, know? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop yes, you, and and, and why I'm gonna stop you is is I've had similar conversations with the police chief locally, mm -hmm. and his desire to be um, all inclusive and. And, and, and many other things. I, I'm not going to speak for the Pride Board because I'm not a member of the Pride Board, um, though I do I do understand their thinking. Um, um, first and foremost, the first Pride was a riot against the police right. because the police right. um, yeah. were attacking black trans women um, mm -hmm. and um, and sex workers. Right. And, um, and so... It's a memorial of a historical event. It's a, exactly. It's a, it's a memorial that. of a historical event. So um, when we have um, Holocaust Remembrance Day, we don't invite Nazis. <laughs> so so and, and that may be yeah. that may be an exaggeration, but it's true right. um, that those two things are true. Um, black trans women were being attacked, beaten um, uh, and targeted by the police. Um, we started having pride events to commemorate and celebrate and memorialize that those their you know uh, 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 riot at Stonewall, and so we somewhere in the eighties and nineties we turned it into a party, and uh -huh. also we turned it into a death march for the AIDS epidemic. Uh -huh. um, and when the two thousands happened, we went back to part. We got even further into partying, and I think right now we're in the swing back into mm -hmm. let's get into the more moralization. Let's talk about this because these problems have not gone away. Black trans women are still being murdered at a higher rate and targeted by the police than anyone else mm -hmm. in the country. Um, and and black trans sex workers in particular are being killed and murdered by the police. And so. The police being disinvited to Pride isn't about whether or not there are um, police officers who are gay. And in fact, those people were invited as long as they left their uniforms at home. Um, and I think the point is, is that we're trying very hard to create a safe space for everybody. And black trans women in particular do not feel safe. So I think um, we're missing the point totally. Again, I think it's a time. I mean, I'm Jewish. I had family that didn't make it through the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I carried my own. I'm, you know, gay, Jewish. Um, mm -hmm. I could throw all, all mine. Mm -hmm. And there's a point where, you know, I can walk around and be angry and upset and not, um, you know, you know, uh, being willing to have conversations. And I don't think change is going to happen. And I think Bloomington mm -hmm. is unique in a lot of ways. And that we have an opportunity <coughs> 
to to make those changes. So let me tell you the statistics. Yes. Bloomington is not unique. In fact, we are worse than other places in the state. Um, perfect. The, the number that I use frequently is that um, for marijuana arrests mm-hmm. in, in the city of Bloomington, um, which we're a college town, there's clearly going to be a lot of marijuana mm-hmm. around, even though the state hasn't legalized it. Um, black people are being arrested at 405% times the rate of white people, of anybody Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. So how is our police department different? If they are, if that means that every black person that you've met has been targeted by the police for arrest for marijuana, it doesn't mean that they're using, it doesn't mean that black people are using more frequently than white people. And and I have been on campus, y'all, so I know (laughs) (laughs) that that is not the case, okay? And I have been around the fraternities and the sororities, and I know that that is not the case. But it means that they are being targeted by the so-called more inclusive, more open society police. And I I personally, and I'm not going to speak for Black Lives Matter in this particular situation, um, but I personally know that Bloomington exceptionalism, the Bloomington liberalism is paper thin. Because when I start scratching it, when I start getting involved, they tell me not to rock the boat. And I say, well, if this boat is so sturdy, then it won't mind me rocking it a little right, bit. Right, right. And what happens is is that is that we, we do things like we buy militarized vehicles that cost a quarter of a million dollars um, and don't want to put money into our lunch programs for our children. Mm-hmm. So so where is I don't I, I understand I feel what you're saying, Frank. I do. I do. I feel what you're saying. But what happens is, is that when we look when we drill down into it, we are we are not different than than um, we do not have different police departments than the police departments that shoot and kill Alton Sterling. They just haven't yet. And it's yet. Right. And I and, and again, this is a personal side yeah. too, because I have a lot of friends that are all off are, are officers and I and I know And I know, have on, I have family who are officers. Right, I have right. friends, you know, and, I, and, and I've I said this before myself. On, yeah. On, in the Bloomington community. And I've listened to them talk on a personal level mm-hmm. about how frustrating it is for them and how they would love to have an opportunity to really sit and, and have these conversations mm-hmm. and that it's not happening. And I think, again, that I'm not throwing anybody's statistics away Mm -hmm. or denying anyone their their feelings or emotions, but I think we're at a point where I I think that we can gain more by sitting down Mm -hmm. and and having those conversations. And, yes, the emotions are powerful, but I still believe that we're – you know, I can't talk for any other city. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking for the city that I happen to live in, and, and I'm talking about people that I happen to know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I know where their hearts are, um, that, you know, I think that they, <clears throat> that we have an opportunity here to, to make a difference, mm-hmm. to be kind of, to, to lead the Indiana, to lead the nation. And if those statistics yeah. are true, they are true because they come okay. directly from the police department. Okay. So let me let me be very clear. Yes. Those statistics are not being interpreted by myself. I didn't come up with them, um, and I can I can we can I can pull up the article that right. or the the actual raw data for you. Mm-hmm. Those are directly from the police department. A man named Guy Lofton has been doing a study since I believe two thousand and four. I could be wrong about that. Has been doing a study about the statistics mm-hmm. and every single category. Um, Besides conviction, right. um, we are not doing well when it, in the police department in particular. So how do we know. fix it? Well, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, t- how do we fix it? 
Um, well, there are several approaches. So there's mitigating the damage of, of the police department, uh, which is um, a reformation approach. A reformation approach would include doing things uh, that Sean King proposes in his 25-point plan, uh, which is something I mention all the time. Um, but it uh, does things like uh, add, increase the diversity and not just like add three more officers, but take your officers who we now only have a couple of black officers, take them to 50%. Also add in uh, Asian diversity, sexuality diversity, female diversity, so that your police department looks as diverse as 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 the country does, um, and 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 even overbalance in that, so that um, so that you are are assured that there is uh, multiple voices at the table that you don't normally hear. Um, uh, removing the militarization of the police is, is first and foremost. Getting rid of the tank that we got um, and looking at other ways of policing that don't involve uh, uh, guns and um, um, profiling. Mm -hmm. There's training. I mean, I can, I can go on and on and on. However, I think the biggest thing that we have to do is, is, is look towards community defense um, mm -hmm. Look towards um, not using the police as um, four one one, not as as a look towards you know moving away from a society that spends all of its time and its money policing and incarcerating people of color. Great. Right. So we're gonna actually ran over time. Yeah. So, sorry. Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> so we're gonna take a minute to do a, a music break and a community update with Lucas, and then we'll be back with a lot more questions.
Welcome back. You were just listening to Child by Jada B. Or sorry, the um the Lady Breakers. Taking a look at the community calendar here. Oh, I totally had that wrong. That was um Child by the Lady Quakers. No, Lady Quakes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so this week in Bloomington we have well actually in Spencer. This is the Spencer Pride Presents Rocky Horror Picture Show, Wednesday, October 10th, 2018, at 7 p.m., and that is at the Historic Tivoli Theater. Um, that's in Spencer, 24 North Washington Street. Um, and coming up on the 21st, it's tomorrow, the LGBT Aging and Caring Network Breakfast at, at Cloverleaf Family Restaurant. That's at 4023 West 3rd Street, Bloomington. Um, and that's their... Uh, bi-weekly event that they have um, we're going to throw it over to Blooming Out welcome back so we're still with Jada B um, she's a Bloomington native known for her various musical projects like Royalty Prince uh, Royalty Prince Tribute Band Jada B and the Funky Poetics and more she is a local singer, poet, DJ and activist with her own event planning business which is called ampersand weddings and events did i say that right you got it yeah all right and as one of the core council members of black lives matter she wants us she wants us to remind you all to give to their ongoing necessity drive go to blm.btown-in.org to find out how and what to donate wow awesome so um i actually have a question so so we i just want to reiterate a point that you made earlier which is that the our country was founded on racism, which I think is like the most important thing that people forget all of the, all time. Of the time. And it's something like every time I've had a discussion with anybody about Black Lives Matter, about anything to do with race, um, especially with white people, it's <laughs> why are we still like talking about this? Right. And I think people lose track of that so quickly that yes. it wasn't until the 60s that black people really got rights for the first time because mm-hmm. even with like definitely the, more rights it, more yeah. rights, yeah. More rights marriage but was illegal in yes yeah. and, and people right. don't realize that that's <laughs> right. 50 yeah. 60 years yeah. we're talking that's yeah. a light that's one li- one person's lifetime and, and it, that a hundred yeah. years ago we had slaves it's just it's unbelievable right. and in fact um acceptance of homosexuality has moved on a quicker spectrum yes. than exactly. acceptance of interracial yes. marriage or of 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 black people moving next door to you uh-huh. um right. so so again speaking back to the to to you know um uh why there's hom- uh, uh, racism within the lgbtq community mm-hmm. is is that we as a country have major hang-ups around yeah. race it's why we have a president who is um calling our our mexican brothers and sisters um, you know rapists and thieves mm-hmm. and criminals as opposed to uh embracing uh the diversity mm-hmm. within their community yeah. and welcoming it, uh, it, them into this country because yes. they give so much mm-hmm. um to this country and yeah so and they are right. our country and they are, we are i mean i mean yeah so yeah. one of the other things about this is that black culture is gay culture right yeah mm-hmm. you know yes queen <laughs> right <laughs> yep that's yeah. that didn't that did not come from <laughs> from white gay men. That's directly from black gay men who got right. it from black women. Right. <laughs> you know, and so and and everything about our culture, and we say this all the time, is that is that America loves black culture but doesn't like black people. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. we love Mexican culture but we don't like Mexican people. That's well. 
I think it's also like one of the things that I was thinking about earlier as we kind of had this discussion and as I read that whole story um, about Black Lives Matter and, and others um, was that I feel I feel like there's a sense that the leaders of the LGBTQ movement, Black Lives Matter movement, the politicians that are in charge and, and like push for these types of things, I think they're more of a united front because I think they understand that when the rights of the LGBTQ community or the black community or the Hispanic community or whatever minority community, when people go after one of them, it's only a matter of time before the other is going to yeah. be gone after too. And I think people at the top, people mm -hmm. who are in charge understand that. And I think that there's other people um, at the bottom or people who are not as engaged with the minority communities mm -hmm. or don't understand the things that are going on, don't really understand that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. and so it, it doesn't surprise me that we do see racism within the LGBTQ community or things like that because there's been a long history of it. You all, I've always heard about the rift between the black and white LGBTQ communities mm -hmm. and the differences between those um, and things like that. So it's not a shock, but it's the, it's when people educate themselves on what's going on and how if if we do unite, like that article said, that we yeah. can actually affect change yeah. in those ways. And I think it has been encouraging because I think the majority of the LGBTQ community or at, at least a large portion of it who are tuned in, who are watching what's going on in the country, mm -hmm. do support Black Lives Matter and can have those conversations. Yeah. They yeah. do sometimes mess up. And I I've had to like explain to my friends, you know, like why this is a thing. Why are people supporting this and, and that type of thing? But I think as a general consensus, I think that the leaders of the communities understand it, but it's really about getting everybody on board, in my opinion, and, and yeah. making sure that we understand. Because you're never going to get everybody. I mean, that's yeah. You, there's always you can't, gonna, get, everyone. You can't get everybody. No, but I think but, the more that we and that we are are putting it in in front of people's faces, and we're talking about it more, mm -hmm. and we're we're talking about why it's important to listen to um, Black queer women and Black trans women, mm -hmm. and and why we want to put them forward and put their voices forward. Um, is is why that's important and why we need to um, because they're the most marginalized they're the mm -hmm. most attacked they're the most targeted they're the most um, um, uh, you know uh, sought uh, you know they're the, they're the people that hold the rest of the community mm -hmm. together they're the canaries in the coal mine mm -hmm. um, and 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 once uh, you know we we lift them up. We lift up black trans sex workers. We um, black women. We mm -hmm. um, we do that kind of work. Um, all of us are going to be better off. Mm -hmm. We're all going to be better off. Um, and uh, you know, it, it it has never been the case where when you look after someone who is in the like super minority that the majority um, fails. <laughs> you know, that's not the case. <laughs> but when you're only looking after this my this majority, the though there are going to be tons of people that get run over yeah and um you know and it's the same i mean it has to do with health care it has to do with um education it has to do with um border security all that kind of stuff they all feed in together and when we're looking after the most um uh uh, uh you know uh, those of us who who need um the support the most we we're all going to benefit mm -hmm. and we'll right. all prosper you know, we all will prosper. We often, you know, you look historically that the um, the people that benefited the most from the civil rights movement were actually white women, right? White women were finally getting into job advancements that they had been denied for years and years and years. Why? Because they would rather put a white woman in the position than a black man in that position or a black woman in that position. And so 
you know, every, in, in that case, that's that was sort of bad for black folk, but it was it was good for white women. So white women all of a sudden surged ahead, but forgot how they got there. Um, and I think we saw that in our, 2000, our 2016 uh, vote, which was yes. predominantly led by white women yeah. um, voting for Donald Trump. Speaking of voting, what do you think is the most important thing for minority communities, the black community moving forward? Because if I'm looking at it, I'm saying voting. We have to start with voting rights because that's how you, you have yeah. to have political force to do anything. And I think right now I'm currently learning about just the country's history of voting rights and mm -hmm. how they ebb and flow and the pendulum and all of that and how yeah. when black people vote we move forward as a country <laughs> right. when they're allowed to vote well yeah that's, that's the, the whole thing, thing is, is there's this myth to. that we don't vote well we do vote um we do vote a lot and um we're con our vote is constantly being um attacked attacked right. um but we're because um when, when we are we are tend to be unified and we tend to um um uh, vote pretty heavily uh, in a progressive way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think that voting matters. Mm -hmm. And I think that protecting voting right matters. But I think what's even more important than that is putting someone out there running people that are worth my vote. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, uh, Senator Donnelly is a perfect example of a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a Republican running in, on a Democrat ticket. He votes consistently with the Republican Party, has got ads out saying that he supports uh, Donald Trump's wall. And the fact that the Democrat Party in Indiana hasn't kicked him out <laughs> <laughs> publicly and run a more progressive candidate is 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 a sham. And it and it's why I think he may not retain his seat because younger voters don't want to vote for somebody who's not progressive and Donnelly is not progressive. And then they won't vote. Well, no, they will vote. They will vote. They just won't vote for him. And they'll vote third party. They'll vote, um, you know, or they may not tick that box, but they're going to vote. They ha And, uh, you know, I think there's also the myth of that younger people don't want to vote. They do want to vote, but they want somebody worthwhile to vote for. Right. Uh -huh. They don't want to have to keep voting b between the lesser of two evils. And, you know, and 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 they'll hold their nose and vote for the lesser of two evils if there is actually a difference. Uh -huh. But but when you've got a candidate uh, such as Joe, where he's there's there's no difference between him. I mean, there's really not. If he's going to continuously vote with the Republicans, then what difference is there? Mm -hmm. You know, he's perhaps not putting forth uh, as many bad policies as as his opponent would be. But that doesn't really balance out. In, in his record, so. Well, let me push back a little bit on that. Isn't having Joe Donnelly in there better than having Mike Braun? Uh, it, are they both gonna vote the same exact way? Well, no, Joe, Mike would vote to rip your healthcare away. Right. Joe's gonna save that. I it, mean, Is he? Yes, he did, he did once. Once. That's the only. That's his. That's the one thing on his on his voting record that mm -hmm. he has. Right. Everything else he sided with the Republican Party, um, over and over and over again. So if if healthcare, then 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 we get into are we voting on one issue? Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> then absolutely. But, then are we voting on one issue? What I would prefer is if some if they would if the Democratic Party would have ran somebody else mm -hmm. other than yeah. Joe Donnelly. We need we need more candidates. We, we need, need more, more candidates. choices. We need more choices. We need more progressive choices. And and I think the Republicans are sick of it too. Okay? I think that they're sick of it too. I think that they're sick of the same old type of candidates mm -hmm. because 
uh, it's not helping them either. You know, uh, that majority of that base, that so-called base of Trump's base, uh, what his approval rating is like less than 30 percent. Mm-hmm. So that at this point is just the like extreme elements mm-hmm. of of that yeah. group, which which are, are are signaling to the white supremacists there. Do so, you see like, you know, I, I when I was a kid, um, you know, you had strong, strong black advocates out there. You know, um, and you don't really see that right now. I mean, you know, that we're out there. Um, are you? Do you mean black people who are advocates or white people who are advocates for black people? No, black people okay. that are advocates. And it, it, it seems like, you know, the, the, the black community is kind of going through their own rift in, as far mm-hmm. as figuring out who to kind of be the front people. And I don't know, maybe it is the people and yeah. it's not like we're going to do it a little different I this time. I think we've done it a little different this time. Because when we, we decentralize. Black because Lives when we, Matter. Right. We, when we, we're a decentralized leadership. Um, when we put right. forth our leaders, they murder them. Right. Yeah. And, and so if we're all leaders, you can't kill us all. Right. So Can I ask a question yeah. about that, though? Because I think I think it's hard for some people. I know I've struggled with the I, support Black Lives Matter, their cause, everything, I believe in it. But I have questioned the idea of not having some sort of leadership in place mm-hmm. because how are you going to get things done yep. in, at the highest levels when you don't have someone or at least a group of people to right. represent? A national you. office and sort of thing. Something yeah. like that. I, I'll tell you, it, it is kind of weird. It, it, it is as, a, as an organizational structure because there kind of isn't a structure. They mm-hmm. actively ask each local chapter to figure that out amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we here in Bloomington, we have a core council. Mm-hmm. It's a, a four-person core council. We're looking to add more um, um, black people, in particular black queer people, mm-hmm. uh, to the core council. Um, and we set policies, make decisions, and we mm-hmm. have members, and we're going to do a call out here in October for more memberships. Um, but uh, what happens is is that um, then each of us are focused locally. Yeah. Right? And then it, it instead of trickling down, it trickles up, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. if, we, if we work on the stuff that's happening, happening locally mm-hmm. and we um, can be in solidarity with each other, we, you know, um, do some things for Columbus. I built some, um, some pantry boxes for Black yeah. Lives Matter Columbus so that they could do a, um, um, a free food um, program that they're doing mm-hmm. um, and just working in conjunction together um, you know we can we can still do that and make things happen regionally yeah um, Black Lives Matter as an organization in a larger city can can put forth something that other Black Lives Matter groups can go to yeah um, but I think again it comes back to that decentralized leadership mm-hmm. when they when you know and, and, and assuring that we're not a target yeah you know that individuals are not a target I mean um I know that my core council members have have had people single them out, um, and yeah. uh, I'm sure, uh, especially considering my conversations with Jacob Franklin recently, I've been singled out, and I will continue to be singled out. Um, but um, it's not the same as as Martin or Malcolm. But again, Martin and Malcolm are dead, right. and and that was on purpose. Well, we had a, a heck of a show <laughs> here, guys. <laughs> we could do this Woo! all night. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's, we, important. We, yeah, it's, it's very, very important. important. I really, and I've learned so much. 
Well, we can, we can, can you know, have me back. We'll talk more. Oh, we'll yes. have you back. Yeah. <laughs> you got your number Please. now. <laughs> no, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we're not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're out of town, time. Um, before we go, I want to thank, uh, you know, for, for you being here. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it was an uh, amazing show. And have a great time. We, uh, we, covered, we covered a lot. And this is literally the first time I've ever been here and not been, like, performing music. Oh, wow. Yeah, really? I've been, I've been on Blooming Out several times before okay. when Ellen was, uh-huh. was running it. But this is literally the first time I haven't been performing music. <laughs> so it's fun. Well, we love having <laughs> you. We enjoyed your music, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, and we're playing it anyway. And yeah, that was the Lady Quakes, not the Lady Quakers, <laughs> which <laughs> I did love. I did. like. I, I kind of want to change our name to the Lady I like Quakers now. But it's, it's, a, it's a naughty joke, Lady Quakes. So an additional... Uh, additional thank you to all of our listeners and volunteers who make this possible. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Kevin Mosenzade. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Presloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Blooming Out's community liaison is Alex Ashkin. Our trusted intern is Jasper Tony. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Frankie Presloff. And remember, if everything was straight roller coasters would be one long boring ride good night from your blooming out family you've been listening to blooming out on wfhb blooming out is a product of wfhb's news and public affairs department tune in every thursday evening at 6 p.m for indiana's only lgbtq plus news and public affairs program You can hear this and other programs online at wfhb.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at wfhb.org. That is bloomingout at wfhb.org. And thank you for listening.